When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 316 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, that's LaVon. And before you ask LaVon, no, I didn't bring you on just because we're leading the show with Luke DeYoung. But before we get to that, I want to ask, how was your holiday and your new year? Uh, oh, my new year was fine. Thank you very much. How was yours? It was good enough. Uh, just content plans and preparing things for the new year. So I, I always, always say that there is exciting stuff down the pike. But yeah, it seems like whenever I have time off, it's like how you have your best ideas in the shower. When I actually don't get to record stuff and watch matches, I take the time, I stare at a wall and I figure out what's coming next. So that's basically right. what I did for a few days. And now it's back to the old grind. But where we start, well, I mean, is, hold yeah. on, hold on. You're, you're starting off 2022, like extremely horribly by talking to me and mentioning my name together with Luke the Young Man. I mean, Dan, that's not how we roll. No, it's a bit of a continuation of 2021. I think my favorite quote actually was an NBA player, LaMelo Ball. He did a post-game interview and he said, new year, new me, same me though. And I feel like that's what most of us are going to do. And I feel like that's even what FC Barcelona is going to do in a sense. But it seems like you take a snapshot here. It's January 3rd and Barcelona is fifth in the table, right behind Atletico Madrid, hot on the heels. The goal was top four. It wasn't going to happen. And now, even with a squad that was ravaged by COVID, and I felt like yesterday's game, as we start to review this one nothing win over Mallorca, yes, Mallorca had a lot of COVID, uh, sus- well, not suspensions, but COVID absences as well as Barca did, who had 10 players missing to COVID plus the injured. But it seems like 
the COVID thing isn't going to go away and it is going to hang a cloud over the rest of the season, even pet or at least the next few weeks as this Omicron and the, the variant does peak and then that will go down again. I mean, players are getting tested. That's why they're testing positive for this very, very transmissible Omicron. And then so as of today, Pedro and Ferran Torres tested positive after training with the squad, which is a bit of an uh-oh with another match two days away against Linares in the Copa del Rey. But yeah, I mean, I think for Barca with the squad that they have, I mean, all the young players, I don't know. I feel like I don't have much to say after this Mallorca match. It was, I think we can talk about the individual players that we haven't seen a lot of, but overall as a team, they took care of business. They got the one nothing win on the road and they got the three points and that's what mattered. And they took care of business. Yeah. I thought they had a, they had a very strong first half. They created, they, they robbed the ball very highly. Again, Frank de Jong was amazing. In the first half, I really loved his performance. Um, Luke de Jong um, was good at pretty much the only thing that he is good at, which is putting himself in positions to score goals, which finally paid off because he got the winning goal. Yeah, um, I mean, Luke de Jong, yeah. the way, way I say this, there's not a lot of talking points from it. I mean, I think two players that I want to speak to, in particular, Luke de Jong and, and Ricky Puj. Luke de Jong for first, yeah. I mean, Mallorca said, hey, if you can beat us with... Oscar Mangetha, who doesn't play very often, if you can beat us with crosses out from the right side from him or across from Ronald Ra, who isn't known for his superb crossing either, and Luke de Jong is going to beat us in the air, then that's how we're going to lose this match. And that's how Mallorca lost the match because Barcelona wound up executing on what Mallorca gave them to do. But you're right. As far as keeping that line of confrontation high and Frankie de Jong as the pivot being central to that, really important. You saw his heat map. He it wasn't necessarily in the middle of the field is that he would win the ball back on either side right before midfield. So he was preventing so many of those counters. I, it didn't really feel like Marco was countering because they, they they were snuffed out so many times. And on the point of Ricky Puj, I think it says a lot about the midfield of Nico Puj and Frankie de Young that you don't really have to be worried about that, that rotation. I don't think there's any, you know, you and I are pretty sensible about Puj too. There's no hot take here. It's that, uh, you know, at, you come out of the game saying, how much can Xavi use him? I mean, he is, he is fine. I mean, he came in for Gabi or Pedri or whoever it may be and Busquets as well. And he completed 66 of 69 passes, was only dispossessed once, only lost possession four times, which is really good compared to the 13 from De Young and 12 from Nico. He had nine ball recoveries, which was most on the entire team. I thought he was pretty reserved in the press. I think he's still limited in some of the things that he can do, but largely he took care of the ball. And he seems like under Xavi, Xavi has given him specific instruction to, I mean, you, you were the one who had said it, that he does look sometimes like a chicken with his head cut off. And I felt like he was much more reserved yesterday. And that was really helpful to keeping the shape of the team. And he did look like a, just a quality reserve for FC Barcelona. And that's what his role is. That's what he's supposed to be. And I, I, yeah, I don't think we can get, there's, there's nothing more to argue about Puj. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I would also say that. uh, And I think that one of the things that you brought up is very important here. He, he recovered more balls than any other player. And I think that the way that Xavi wants us to play defense favors him because with, with his physique, you don't want him to have to defend uh, players that come at him. You want you want to take advantage of uh, who he is as a player and and how he is built. So he is small and fast, um, which means that he can press very well. And that's how you want to play with Ricky Push. High press. Yeah, I, I think he's still the fifth midfielder on the depth chart. But yeah, I mean, regardless of what, what happened in yesterday's game, and that's a fair place to have him. Wait, uh, f- I mean, f- fifth or. Oh, six. He's six, of course. Yeah, yeah. Let's count him. Nico, Gavi, Pedri, Frankie Dion, Busquets. Busquets, six. Yeah. Yeah, six. 
Oh yeah, I, I misspoke there because Pedri's been out for <laughs> a million years. Yeah. So even though Pedri's still 19 years old, it feels like he's been out for a million years. But yeah, so I, I was happy with the midfield. I thought they were the reason why Mallorca were not say overwhelmed, but Mallorca were forcing because they were playing so narrow in that it gives a medium block with a 4-4-1-1. And by playing so narrow, they were forcing Puj and Nico and Frankie to take chances through the middle. That's why the number for Frankie, he was dispossessed or he lost possession 13 times. Nico lost at 12. Yet those, lo- those loss of possession didn't really kill Barcelona because they were usually in Mallorca's half. And Barca were already set up. You know, we talk about rest defense. Barca were already set up to get the ball right back, which is what they did. They recovered the ball plenty when they lost the ball in those positions. So while there wasn't a lot of space for that midfield to work through, I still thought Nico Puj and Frankie, and I think Puj also has some rust to him, where his balls, as I said, he only misplayed three passes, but I thought his diagonal balls and knowing what to do was much better than his instinct you know, combining and chemistry in the middle between Nico and Frankie with those 10 to 12 yard passes, just because that takes mm-hmm. time and chemistry and just game fitness that Pooj doesn't have. So he was much better when, when he was able to almost premeditate his diagonal passing and using the skills that haven't gone away, that haven't gotten rusty, that he just, that he has. And I, I mean, it's, it's his diagonal ball to Mingaitha, I believe, that he gets a pre-assist for the Luke de Young goal. And, and it's something too for Mingaitha, credit to him who got better as the game went on. I mean, his first two crosses, made me go, uh-oh, if this is the game plan today, Lucy Young finishing on a negate the cross like that, it's going to be a long 0-0 for Barcelona. But I thought he settled down, his crossing got better, and then defensively, again, this is not a this is not a compliment to Mallorca, but Mingaita was so high up that right wing, I'm basically as a right winger, that even when he was forced to defend, he wasn't really having to defend and scurry back because he was supported pretty well by, I mean, this is my next question coming up for about the man of the match, but uh, yeah, let's just do Mingaita first, though. Uh, no, <laughs> he, he he was more of a a false right back, yeah. Because Pique, uh, Eric Garcia, who I think both Pique and Eric Garcia had excellent matches, by the way. And, well, that's and not a, by the way. I want to I want to put a pin in that and come back to that. Uh, but so, yeah, uh, and Araujo, uh, they were tasked with defending, whereas Mengesa was given license to just uh, uh, move up. And uh, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna play Luke de Jong, by all means, cross the ball. Because, you know, like that's pretty much the only thing that he's good at. When I say that it's the only thing he's good at, that is very disparaging. Um, I think yesterday was an amazing example of how incredibly good you need to be to be a terrible player at Barcelona. Because that bicycle kick, like there's not, like none of us can pull that off. No. You know, I still remember when, um, when we signed him, they, they made that, um, that image, the presentation image, which was like his face su- superimposed on, on him uh, making a bicycle kick. And I'll, I'll, it's like, it was so hilarious because, you know, we did not sign Rivaldo. We signed Luke de Jong. And, you know, he almost scores the goal of the year uh, yeah. doing exactly that. It's just insane. Yeah, I mean, again, you look at his career. I mean, that's the guy that has scored goals before. I mean, he played at Sevilla. I mean, and he was good at Sevilla for two seasons. And he was, he's almost set records at PSV. And yeah, I mean, he's a fine player who's had good days and bad days. But for Barcelona, fans and Kool-Aid expect pretty much a good day every time out. And they want a match winner. And so again, uh, it's one of those two where with Barca being, I mean, who knows about this COVID situation, but in theory, let's, let's be positive here. And in theory, this is the most players that Barca will miss all season long, which totaled, I think, 14 first-team players, I think, in total for that game. So if Barcelona always have more than 14 
play, uh, first team players missing, and they are always a little bit healthier than they were against Mallorca. Xavi uh, and Kules can look back at January 2nd, or yeah, yeah, January 2nd, and say, hey, Luke de Young and Oscar Mangetha, and, you know, and a lot of young players wound up getting three points. And those points, as I say, are just as important as El Clasico. Those points are still what move you up the table and matter at the end of a season. And one of the big reasons for that, too, I think, as much as Luke de Young and Oscar Mangetha is how we'll remember it, I, I, I want to do, we're going to do PK and Garcia, the back line, and Ter Stegen, then we'll go back up to the youngsters up front. So okay. PK, I mean, PK was my man of the match. As much as Luke de Young scored mm-hmm. the goal, uh, PK, 99 touches, five clearances, four block shots, two interceptions, four of four on his ground duels, seven of nine on his aerial duels, and 10 of 14 on long balls. That has an incredible performance. And for those even, yeah, for those even wondering, is he going to retire even next year? I think this kind of match yesterday goes, I mean, I don't know. I mean, PK is still the (laughs) best center back that Barcelona has next to Araujo as a defender. But I mean, yes, Araujo is a better one-on-one defender. But, I mean, PK is what is making this defense click under Xavi. The defense is conceding less since Xavi took over, and PK has been better, and that's a big reason why. I mean, yeah, he was so mm-hmm. good yesterday. Yeah, and he was good against Sevilla as well. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, no, he, he, he was dominant, and I think this just shows that he's, he's not going anywhere. He already lowered his salary, you know, so that's, that's one thing that is out of the way. And then next season, whatever happens, uh, Eric Garcia and Piquet are going to get the club. Hopefully, Araujo renews because those, those those are people that you do not want to get rid of uh, right now. Plus, like well, I don't really see the advantage of getting rid of Piquet if he is on low wages because he is still a leader and he does not have to start every day. But let him play like this and let the young guys deserve to start over him. This can only be to the benefit of everybody. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, you get the sense. I mean, it was interesting for Eric Garcia, who missed two or three matches, I think, under Xavi already in the middle, and he was healthy. And I wonder if this is a case of Xavi saying, hey, Eric, I mean, you have the ability to play balls. I mean, again, you're our best ball-playing center back. However, <laughs> there's a lot of big however with Eric Garcia. But if you can earn your minutes, you're going to get your minutes. And I, I, was he the partner for PK against Sevilla, I believe? I think that was a match he came mm-hmm. back for. And yeah, yeah, so, I mean, Eric was also good in that match. And, P, and he was really good yesterday, too. And he just tidy. And again, it's very helpful, just like with Spain. It's very helpful when Eric Garcia has a high line of confrontation in front of him. It's also helpful when Frankie de Jong is playing and closing down and recovering that space right before midfield, closer to the sideline. Because Eric mm-hmm. Garcia, if he's only having to defend on the front foot, just like Busquets, up through the middle, he's fine. But when you make him defend horizontally, then you have issues. And again, I think that Nico and Puj and De Jong did a good job of protecting. And that's what we mean by protecting with a pivot or a double pivot. They protected Eric Garcia from being put on an island to one we be one having to track somebody back. It's also helpful for Eric to have Ronald Araujo playing right back next to him. Well, actually, well, he played left back yesterday against Mallorca. But having Araujo on that back line on one of those wings means if the ball comes through the middle and it's not, this happened in the second half, I think it was, I think it was either Elias, Elias, or it might've been Eric who committed the foul on a, a breakaway, but it was fine because not, it, no one got a yellow from it because while it was in on a counter or whatever, there were so many purple shirts around the Mallorca player that the refs couldn't feel like it was just this last ditch. What is it? A hurricane tackle to manage to, to cut out a counterattack. Mm-hmm. It was so none of one of the other purple shirts would have got to it, and somebody just put a foot in. And, and so I felt like Eric Garcia was not put on an iron at all because he always had a Rajo to, uh, especially if America was trying to cut down the middle, that he always had a Rajo to come over. Or Mingetha was also coming over if that. And then PK was cleaning everything up. I mean, I already read you PK's mm-hmm. numbers. He didn't get anything wrong. And then behind it, what about Ter Stegen? What about that save? How? What's that going to do for him? You think? Does that matter? Does that matter for his confidence? Is that? It, it it matters for the three points he took home. Uh, as for what it is going to do for him, let, let's see. You know, yeah, let let's see. So I I don't I don't think I've never been on the Ter Stegen bandwagon. As in, uh, people named him a top three goalkeeper during his first seasons at the club. I never thought he was necessarily top three. Then when his performance started dropping a little bit, 
I did not all of a sudden start treating him as a bottom three goalkeeper either. I think he's a good goalkeeper. He's had like uh, a couple of rough years. You expect good goalkeepers to make good saves every now and then. If, if he can turn this into something consistent, uh, great. Then, then again, my opinion on Ter Stegen is not going to change because of one save. Of course not. So, 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 so let's see what happens. I mean, you said first few seasons at the club. I mean, I, I actually think his best season was at 2018 or that first season when Ernesto Valverde, it took to Levante to lose, to lose a single match all year when they almost mm-hmm. won it in the Liga. I mean, he and Messi alone were winning. Po- I mean, we're winning points at Barcelona. Just Ter Stegen and Messi were game after game after game after game. He would get the one or two saves that you needed to get three points or to get the one point or whatever it was. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I that's when I said he was top three because I think he was. I honestly, okay. I, I think that season under Ernesto Valverde, when he and Messi were winning so many points. But you're absolutely right. The last two seasons now, and the, the other thing with Ter Stegen is, I, I continue to say, I don't think he's right. He has been the, between the knee. And the shoulder for the last two seasons, I don't think he's ever been right. And if he can get right again, I, again, it's not one save, but if he can make that save and the shoulder didn't need massive icing or he's not going to be hurt for two weeks after this, that's a good sign to me. And that 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 is progress. That is growth back to what I think could be his best. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's only recently that rumors have, have started that his problem has been the knees all along, but I just don't know if that that is true to me. That's yeah. that, that's just speculation. Well, that's what I mean. Um, that's why I put more because, because he's playing, right? Period. I mean, yeah. Um, if he's playing with physical problems and playing poorly, then don't you think that you know the second goalkeeper would have been given a chance for a stretch? Yeah, I mean, Neto is good enough to play. I mean, especially if Ter Stegen's not 100%. I don't know why the mm-hmm. club, as much as they're allowing Fati and Pedri and stuff to come back to 100%, I don't know why. Ter Sagan would have been uh, allowed. I mean, the other worry, the, the bigger worrying thing would be if a doctor had said, hey, it's just going to be like this. Your shoulder, I'm saying like, let's say he has an icy shoulder and mm-hmm. he had the surgery and he says, hey, this is what it's going to feel like probably for your career. And that's it. That's a, wor- a bigger worry. And I wonder if that's information that, you know, we're not privy to, but. It, imagine that that is the case or imagine that the, um, the physicians say, uh, well, uh, this might get better in six or 12 months but it's not going to get worse by playing. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then you have a goalkeeper with physical issues who plays poorly because he's been, he's been playing poorly for, for quite some time now. Don't you think that somebody would have gotten a chance at second? Uh, like, uh, don't you think that one of the second goalkeepers would have gotten a chance? Yeah. Th- if, if, if you know that your number one guy is playing poorly and has physical issues. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't this the case a while back ago? Was it, was it, was it Hesp or was it Carlos uh, Carlos Busquets or I wasn't this 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 very exact situation I thought was an, an issue years and years ago but all right somebody can let us know uh, so tweet us tweet at us let us know if that's been the case before but all right let's finish this up because I think for Mallorca we did see some young players I didn't think but we have we've seen Elasha Komash for more than just the forty five minutes in Xavi's debut match Ferran Jukla again who feels like he's becoming a regular and then Alfaro Sanz made his debut as well as. Estanas Padrola, who was, you know, I looked at his heat map and he was basically defending for his 10 minutes, which is not what you want from an 18 year old who doesn't really know where to be or to defend. So you could hear Xavi audibly yelling at him and he almost, I mean, that's why Ter Stegen had to make that save. Padrola is 18 and he made an 18 year old mistake. But I want to compare Ferran and Ilias. And I think it's a little bit unfair for me to do this, but I was trying to think about this. I said this in a match of yesterday. I think of 
when I when I'm trying to evaluate young players, and this is bias, I think I do this by accident, and this is me watching a lot of La Masia too. I almost put young players in two camps. I either say, "Oh, that's a player that could be special in a few years, or has that special little something that you go, oh, okay, maybe if there's a lot that's figured out and he continues on a linear path of growth, he could be a first teamer for Barcelona, or he could be a starter." And then there's players that are just in a in a in a flashpoint in time that are useful. And the example I used yesterday was Delafeu, clearly. From the moment we saw Delafeo was special. When he was 16, 17, 18 years old, that kid was special. But Luis Enrique, as you know, could not use him at all because he was not useful to what Luis Enrique needed him to do. And he couldn't even do a job. And so he got, kept getting sent out. And he also had like a bunch of other, it's isn't individually about Delafeo, but he was special, but he wasn't useful. And in another case, I think of Isaac Cuenca back in the days of Pep Guardiola. That was a player who you saw, he was never going to overtake Pedro or David Villa or whoever it was. There was no path forward for him to overtake one of the stars, but he was a useful player as a member of that squad for Pep Guardiola. And he he's in all the pictures, you have all the trouble winning pictures. And there's Isaac Cuenca's face. And years from now, people are going to be able to ask, who is that? And I'm going to say, oh, was he, you know, he was just a useful winger, young winger from Barca B that Pep Guardiola was able to use in a few matches and he got the job done. And so for me, looking yesterday at Elias and Ferran, it was the epitome, I think, of Ferran Jukla at this moment, who's about to turn 23, is a useful player right now for Xavi. And will this season make more appearances than Ilas Shikomash? But Ilias, clearly, when the ball is at his feet, three key passes in the game. I mean, he only lost the ball even nine times, which, as I had said a few weeks ago with Dembele against Sevilla, who lost 25 times. If your right winger is only losing the ball between nine and 15 times, you're actually in a good spot. That said, Elias also faded. His defensive positioning was suspect when on Mallorca crossed in the second half. And again, he, he, again, he faded as the game went on. But clearly, he's very special. He's 17, very, very special player. And I think it's a very difference between special and useful. That the special player that Xavi's using, again, he could have had a brace in the game maybe, but Ferran Jukla is going to just be a squad rotation piece and useful for Xavi this season. And do you feel like Avaro Sanz, he comes on, I felt like he was useful. Not special. He's not a special player, clearly. He's 20. And Xavi just needed him to defend as a, he's a defensive midfielder. Xavi had him defending as a high interior saying, Hey, go out there, defend, do what you know how to do, but do it high up the field and just help us get these three points. And then Pedrola is a little interesting because I don't know where he is yet. I haven't seen enough of him, to be honest with you. He's got a few special things we've seen. That's why he's a member of Barca B and one of their promising players, if you will. But he definitely wasn't useful yesterday (laughs) because he almost made these mistakes that cost three points. But I don't know. Do you think I'm, what do you think of my little hypothesis? How'd you enjoy my lecture? Uh, it makes sense. Uh, it makes sense. I think to start with, Delefeu was special, but maybe Delefeu was too special because he behaved like he was special. And that did not help him make that step to the next level that he made, uh, that he needed to make. It did not help him uh, when Pep Guardiola was the manager. Uh, and it helped him even less when, uh, when Luis Enrique was the manager. Uh, and by the time when he came back under uh, Ernesto Valverde, his development had completely stalled. Because of the the four four years that he just did not develop, I don't remember Isaac Cuenca that much in the first couple of seasons. Though, like I remember him in the 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 2011-2012 season, but I don't I don't remember him the seasons before. I thought Cuenca was special, really, because of, because of his dribbling skills. That would, but then you know I I love like pure wingers. And Cuenca is a very pure winger, but then he had those knee issues. Right, they derailed his career. And, Absolutely, and that, that that killed him. I think Fer- Ferran Jukla is useful. Yeah, I agree. Ferran Jukla is useful. I think it is special that he plays in the first team <laughs> after being capped <laughs> off by Espanyol last. Right after not being able to make Espanyol yeah. in the second division's first team, and now he's playing. And if 
I mean, if there is one other player available for the wing, I'd probably been Elias, but then a second winger would have moved Jukla back into the middle and Luke de Young would have not started that game because Jukla would have started over Luke de Young. So yeah. Uh, okay. So I do want to ask I, about, yeah. Yeah. I, I have a question because he, he likes, he likes uh, Elias Akomach. Akomach, yeah. Or probably I, I am corrected. I was, I'm corrected on Ilias every single time I say it. So Ilias, Ilias, I think <laughs> I need him to do more interviews and we need to get to the bottom of that one. But I know someone's going to correct me anyway. But I, I, yeah, it, it happens. But yes, Akomash, yeah. So yeah, I liked him. I, li- I thought he played better than, uh, than on his debut. And at least during the first half. I don't know. I, I don't know if he's going to make it. But I enjoyed uh, seeing him play. The, the other two young players... <sighs> There's nothing good or bad I can say about them, because to come in under those under those conditions, yeah, right. um, you know, for such young players, wow. Uh, what 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 I think is amazing though is that we have Ferran and Abde playing in our first team. Like they were both signings for the B team, mm-hmm. and they're playing in the first team. Especially Ferran, like you said it, like he he could not make it in the first team of Espanyol, and now he's being a useful contributor mm-hmm. to our team. Uh, I, I would even think that, you know, it's better to have him at the nine position than Memphis Depay, just because of the profile. And I like how hard he works. Um, I like that um, he's not afraid. No. He's not afraid of taking taking players on. He's not afraid of shooting. Um, he works for the team. I, I like a lot what he, uh, what he gives the team right now. Uh, and the same for Abde. Now, w- would you say that Abde is useful or special? You know, that's actually what I was going to go next with. I, I'm really, his dribbling is special. His ability to dribble is so special that I wonder if he is special. And it's also that, I don't know, I think it's totally fair for not saying that he's a late bloomer. It's crazy to say that a 19-year-old kid is a late bloomer. But the fact that he wasn't snatched up earlier by one of the quote-unquote top teams in Spain makes you go, well, how did he stay at Hercules? But also, Hercules might have been able to keep him as a pretty well-kept secret. He only made, what, 17 appearances or something for them last year as an 18-year-old. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he could have been a guy that grew at 16 or 17, which everybody does. Um, but yeah, his ability to dribble is what's special. But for, unlike Ilias, you could clearly see at any age, he's 17, the, the greatest ability he has, that ability to cut into the middle and get onto his left foot. His left foot is not going to get any worse, right? And it's not that easy Abde's dribbling is going to get worse, but as bigger and stronger and first team when the scouting report on him is out, when teams start to lock in and say, Hey, he's kind of a one trick pony in terms of his dribbling. We have to force him to beat us other way. Even though I must said his goal was scored, not on dribbling. It was by putting himself at the back post. So if his goal scoring instincts are, I mean, are, are better and, and do continue to evolve and improve. I think he actually can be special, but again, what are we asking for special? I mean, <laughs> can you have every player in Barca's team be special? I'm too special. And are we comparing Ansu and, and Easy Abde? No, they're two peas in a pod. But Demele is a special player and is Easy Abde. Can he be a dribbly special kind of, you know, Dembele, right? I mean, it's just now we're talking about levels of special. And I think special mm-hmm. just means that I think special to me means this one player for a few moments can win you a match. And Luti Young is going to score the goal. Yeah, he won Barca the match. But again, Luti Young is not going to even the bicycle kick, right? The bicycle kick is the bicycle kick that number nines do. But it's not like he's going to pick the ball up in midfield and then you're going to blink and you go, whoa, the ball's in the back of the net. That guy did that. That's, I think, what I mean by special. And Easy Abde could be special, I think, in that instance. I think there's going to be moments when you're going to go, oh, the ball's in the back of the net and Easy Abde did it by picking up in midfield. And I think Elas could do the same thing. When, I mean, uh, he, he, he's 17. I just want to confirm that again. Elas is 17. 
And that's a totally fair spot for a 17 year old to be. Don't get that, that Gabi and Pedri and Fati. They broke our brains. Like he's, he lasts. Yeah, 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 no, it's, Come on. Th- th- this is true. So because he likes a 17, like let's wait and see yeah. what happens because, um, you know, how is he going to develop? The, he, he has a very good ability to, to cut inside and make space for the shot, uh, for his shot. His left foot is not going to get any worse. Uh, how much better is it going to get though? His left foot, you mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I actually, I reverse that. I say how much better is his right foot going to get? Because we saw that those overlaps with Mingetha that clearly at halftime, Xavi told him you need to overlap a little bit more. And he did. Mm-hmm. And he was not really comfortable getting it to his right foot. You could tell that he wanted to, but it just wasn't there yet. And guys can improve their weak foot. That's not something that, especially at 17, it's not something that doesn't happen. Right-footed players are often decent at developing their weak foot. And left-footed players are not because they can always go to the left foot. Agreed. That is left true. Foot. That is true. Yeah, left-footed uh, Yeah, I didn't know that, that they can always go to their left foot. But for some reason, I think uh, left-footed players are, are sometimes just wired differently. And they, do, they tend not to uh, develop their, their weak foot as much. Uh, as for Abde... Well, I mean, wait, wait, wait. I think that I think that is just because I think the natural disposition of a defender is to prepare for a right-footed player. The majority of players are right-footed, so I think that it's like it's almost instinct for a defender to be prepared for the move to come from a right foot. And so, I mean, Messi is a different thing where guys like try to change their main their mainframe and try to reprogram themselves to prepare for his left foot, and they couldn't stop it. But I mean. Yeah, I mean, whether it's him or Oyen Robin, I mean, guys with that really, really, really good left foot don't really ever need to change your right because they can always get around with that left foot. Hmm. Maybe. I, I'm going to need to think about that. Uh, you might be right. Back to Abde. So e- e- even if, you know, his, his main trick is dribbling, the, the amount of successful dribbles that he, uh, uh, that he completes per match, are just, that, that's just an insanely high amount. Yeah, 6.9. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's up there with the, be- the, the best in Europe. So that is something that is difficult to stop or difficult to deal with uh, if, the, if the team manages to isolate him. Uh, and if you have uh, a good, good forwards and good midfielders, then you can put up in positions where his dribbling can cause problems. Yep. I mean, yeah. the other thing, why people overlooked him or why clubs overlooked him, maybe because he's hunchbacked. Um, I, I mean, I just think he was a well-kept secret in, in, at, at Hercules. I mean, that, that's all it is. I, I don't know how many, as much as we can say, oh, Barcelona has eyes everywhere. I mean, there's only so many scouts that work for these clubs and maybe they didn't get down to the Valencian community to watch a Hercules, you know, under 17. I mean, so many times, like doing the La Masia stuff with, with Nico Gonzalez or even with, or Gabi or with all these young players that join the academy when they're 10, 11 years old. So often that's because, a Barca scout was at a Barca youth tournament at under 12 or under or whatever it was. And they happened to see this other player on the other team that was really, really talented. And there is a clear cut. I mean, easy to understand that Hercules, who has had financial trouble, maybe didn't have the money to send their youth squads to those kind of tournaments. And therefore no scout ever saw him and in, in the, in the Hercules U16 seed or whatever. And I think he actually played for even smaller clubs prior to that. I don't think he was at Hercules even the whole time. I think he was somewhere else prior to. So if no scout ever was able to see him elsewhere, uh, he also moved to Spain at the age of seven too from Mallorca. So it's okay. not like he was grabbed at some U6, you know, or, or, you know, the very, very young level. So, I mean, he was he came at the age of seven. I don't know when he joined which academy or if Hercules was even his first stop. But yeah, so it could have been that Hercules never got him in front of Barca, Real Madrid, or even Valencia or Villarreal. Well, 
yeah, what I mean, Valencia, Villarreal, Levante. Mm-hmm. Like that would be that would be the teams that he plays against as a kid, right? I mean, maybe um, he also wanted to stay at Hercules because it was kind of where home was after coming from a different country at the age of seven. It's, I mean, all those things. I mean, we don't know. It's the same. Maybe, but yeah. but I also think I also think maybe it's because he's hunchbacked and scouts look at him and like you know, no, this kid walks funny. I don't know. I mean, you you see him run. I mean, like you, they could have seen him walk and then not watch a kid run to scout him. What? That's that's a joke. That's not. <laughs> that's not a real thing. I don't know. It's, it's poor scouting if that if that was the idea. Okay, so I want we have to move on to the second part of our show here, where as as good as Abde is at dribbling, it might be helpful in the spring to have a player, maybe not necessarily Luke DeYoung, but I guess the question I'll ask you, tongue in cheek, did Luke DeYoung's game and winner against Mallorca do enough to stop the club from bringing Alvaro Morata in on loan? And I want to hear your opinion about Alvaro Morata because these are not rumors anymore. The idea that he would come in on loan and then be bought for a reduced fee for the Antoine, basically an Antoine Griezmann pseudo swap with, with Atletico Madrid paying a lesser amount for Antoine Griezmann as he'll never go back to Juventus, that being Avar Morata. So you, I think, are pro Morata, correct? Coming in I, on I, loan from, again, I'm, I'm adding qualifiers here because I think I've changed my mind. If you get Avar Morata coming in on loan for a cheap amount, I mean, is he an 18 million euro player? I mean, probably. I mean, that's the fair figure. And if the number matches... I guess what he's worth, it doesn't, I mean, I guess the deal makes sense. 18 million is what, what is being talked about now? No, I just threw that number out there. That Again, if it's reduced from, if it's a loan move and Antoine Griezmann's is reduced from 40 down, right, how much could it possibly be? I guess it might, you know, is what I'm wondering. It's not going to be 35 for Morata if Griezmann is 40. That doesn't make sense. Right. So here's the thing. We don't really know the club's financial situation. Mm-hmm. Um think you know my opinion my opinion on Haaland is well known I just don't think that that is smart in any way shape or form although I do think an Mbappe versus Haaland uh, Liga decade is interesting in its own right I just think it's stylistically Mbappe would fit better at Barcelona and Haaland would fit better at Madrid but whatever I'm assuming that we do not have money to uh, do whatever we want that's that's the first assumption. I think that with 1.35 billion of debt, it is a reasonable assumption. Second, I look at the number nines that we have right now. I think Ansu and Ferran Torres can play nine. And I like both Ansu and Ferran Torres better at nine than the idea of signing Alvaro, Alvaro Morata or Alvaro Morata. However, I also see Brethwaite, Luke de Jong, Ferran Jukla, and let's throw in Memphis Depay when he plays yeah. at nine. And no one in Barca B. I want to add that too. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no pipeline number no, nine. No, that's Ferran Jutla. Right, which is not. He was a winger. Yeah. He's never played number nine. So I want to throw that out there too. Fair enough. So I do think that Morata is a better option than four of the players who have already played at number nine during the last 12 months for our club. I think that Morata probably um, fits the way that we want to play. Uh, his, his movement. Uh, and his like he's certainly a complete player. He's not bad at anything. He's not outstanding in anything either. Either, but he's not bad at anything. Um, he's reasonably quick. Uh, he makes runs into space. He then usually misses his chances, but he makes runs into space. He presses better than say sixty percent of the forwards. He passes the ball reasonably well. Like, I think we could do a lot worse than having him on our squad uh, as long as the numbers, as long as the numbers make sense. And that is the big, big if. Like, 
I am assuming here that he is willing to come on a low salary because I think for him, the idea of joining Barca at this moment in his career must be very, very enticing, very attractive. I think for Spanish players, the big Spanish clubs have still like a huge pull. So would he make our team better? <sighs> Absolutely. Would we, have had, would we have been better off having um, Morata at the club during the last three, four months of the season? Absolutely. That would have probably like given us the couple of points that we need already um, in order to be in a Champions League spot. Do I think it's the most amazing signing ever that we have ever been rumored with? No, clearly not. But um, if if the club makes makes this signing uh, with uh, with a good financial uh, conditions and Xavi wants him, then I'm all for it, man. Yeah, it is interesting because it, it does feel like a little bit of realism in that in that transfer. That Barca, I mean, I had also poo-pooed the idea of Ferran Torres, not as a player. Again, I, I love the player, but I was wondering if Barca could actually afford him. And the answer is they can't afford him physically with the transfer fee, but they are still struggling to get him registered just because they need players out. And again, it's a long month of January. So let's, you know, we might not see him for a few weeks. He also is Kiwi having from a broken foot. So Ferran Torres also at 21. It's, this is a long-term signing. This is not a short-term signing. So I want to keep our, our minds on that. I, I want to go all the way back to the Holland point though. Whether he's important on the field or not, I mean, he is, um, again, a, a, one of the huge marketing giants of the sport. He's going to me- make a lot of revenue in that way, just individually. Uh, he's going to put butts in the seats no matter what happens. You know, I also want to mention that we so, especially with these free, tra- it's, it's all one big idea, but the free transfers of Sam Mizrawi from Ajax, the right back, uh, Denise Sicardia, the Bruce uh, Mönchengladbach, uh, center midfielder, Cesar Azbilicueta and Andres Christensen on free transfers from Chelsea. Those four free transfers, as well as Jose uh, Gaia a year early from Valencia, and then Erlen Holland. Those names are all being thrown around as, oh, the, the, the rehauling of Barca in the summer. But of those six players, or seven players rather, uh, six players, especially the free transfers, everybody is going to want them. So I want to say that if you, I mean, this is really easy to do. Google the name Zicardia, right? If you read the top 15 or 20 in both English and Spanish results on Google about where he's going to go and transfer rumors or whatever, you would never think that Zakaria is coming to Barcelona. That is not in any way an option just because the number of rumors linking him to other clubs in the Bundesliga, including Dortmund and Bayern, and then especially in the Premier League, of course, you know, Manchester United and Liverpool are thrown in everywhere. But those are the kind of clubs that it's seeming like, especially as a Swiss player, not very often do you see Swiss players jumping to the Liga. So, I mean, just yeah, I'm, that name. I'm sorry, what do we want Sakaria for? What do you mean? As a, like, as it's just as a midfield defensive destroyer or pivot or something, but no, no, it's fine. Why, it's fair. It's we fair want to... Sure. I, I mean, that's not even the question I'm asking. I'm just saying that, I mean, for these free transfers, everybody wants those free transfers. So it's not like Barcelona are uncovering that Azpilicueta is a free transfer or Mesraoui is a right back. I mean, fullbacks are going in a premium, right? So how much is Barca willing to spend on each of those players on their wages? Because the wage, just like with Wijnaldum, the wage that they're being offered is going to be the thing that's going to take them from club to club. And then the point of Holland, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's to the, to the T that for Barcelona feels like Holland's being linked between Riola and Laporta every single day. But honestly, if you ask a man city or Real Madrid fan, they're convinced beyond Barcelona because Barcelona, even if Holland would want to choose Barcelona and Barcelona wants him, Barcelona still can't afford him in a way that man city is saying, how we have the money now in January. Why, why aren't you getting Erlen Holland right now? That's because he's going to play it out with, with Dortmund and Real Madrid saying, 
I mean, Tabas is the one who said that Barca can't afford him and that Real Madrid can afford both Mbappe and Holland. And going back to your final point, I'm going to throw it back to you, is that I'm wondering, you said Spanish players, but I'm going to extend that. There's this question with Kylian Mbappe leaving from PSG to Madrid of what clubs players want to play for. And between mm-hmm. Ferran Torres and Avar Morata, and that's a good point that those are Spanish players. But I do wonder, you know, what clubs players want to play for. And Laporta, I mean, the one thing that he might have been true in saying with the Ferran Torres presentation is that players may still want to now come to play for Xavi. That might be a true statement. And, you know, money be darned, players might come and play for Xavi. Okay, so I, th- there's a couple of things here. Like th- there are many people in the world who seem to believe that money is the most important factor to every footballer on earth, which is insane. Which is that 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 opinion is just ridiculous because there are so many examples of footballers who do not go to the club that pays them the most. Of course, like many of many examples are at our club, but you can also find examples in in the Bundesliga where players stay at Bayern, even though they could have gone to England or Spain and earn more. Uh, or there's even players who stay at Dortmund when they could have gone to Bayern. You know, there are so many examples of, of players who choose to go somewhere where they don't earn the most. So the fact that clubs can offer higher wages to, uh, to certain players, yeah, it's, it's, it's not an advantage for Barcelona. Of course, it's not an advantage. But it does not necessarily mean that a player will choose to go to where he can earn more. Yeah, I'm not saying they're not going to get any of those free transfers. I'm saying that all the best free transfers are not all coming to Barca. That's what I'm saying. I mean, two of the four or three of the four might choose money over the Barcelona project. Mm -hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Um, I I think the other thing where I was going with, and that is what I like so much about Ferran Torres, like his his total deal, or at least what is uh, being thrown around in public, 5.5 5.5 before taxes. That's very low for, mm-hmm. for a player of his profile. And it's a long-term deal. So that that uh, that is a huge advantage in itself. Uh, if Morata also comes on, on, that, on a package such as that, great. Uh, what I don't think can work is like Haaland will obviously go where he can earn a lot because he can choose any club and be important at any club. And his, his, uh, his agent is Mino Raiola. Um, and also, he does not really look like the most humble of of men, you know. So it's going to be difficult to have Ferran Torres on the team making two and a half, three million after taxes, and Haaland making ten, and he can probably get twenty at another club. Yeah, you know. So um, th- that uh, I-, I think is difficult. Yeah, I mean that is the argument too that we're talking about where. When Laporta says that Barca can afford to rebuild now, he's talking about transfer fees. He's talking about the club has money between loans and, again, people being back in the seats and season ticket holders having bought and just having money, cash on hand to be able to use on transfer fees uh, and also the ability to, again, to sign these players for multiple deals so that, that those transfer fees are even broken up over multiple years as well. But the reason why Barca are still in so much in so many problems, if you will, it's just the short term, the wage bill is still, you know, still high through this season though. And then once the summertime hits, it's a, it's a, it's an automatic reset. Uh, and I talked a few weeks ago with the, with Patreon Mike about the, the fact that Laporta, he pushed all of the negativity on one financial year so that next year is going to look so much, so, so much better. And it will, I mean, once it's true, like 
we're not using Coutinho as a scapegoat. Coutinho's wages are the scapegoat, not even him, the player, but his number is still too high. Sergio Roberto, before he signs his contract with Newell, whether he stays or goes, it, his, his number is still too high because it was built on the old wage structure. And it's not even about the individual players so much as it is they were signed to fit this wage structure. And now you have players that either you take that renewal or we have to wait for your contract to end down or we need to find a way to get your salary elsewhere while you're on loan or somewhere else because we need to readjust that wage structure for the incoming players as well. Where all these, and that is, you're right, the Ferran Torres 5.5 might have, we'll say this, doomed other players that want to play at Barcelona for refitting into the current salary structure. Same thing with Ansu Fadi's renewal. And then you're looking around and you I mean, you've had a opinion on Ronald Rajo. I want to bring that up real quickly here. I mean, Araujo is going to be, there's going to be what he's worth and then how he fits into the Barcelona wage structure. And I think he's not, he's not going to make what he's worth, but he's going to have to choose if he wants to make, you know, I think top center back money in the Barcelona, in the new Barcelona wage structure. Now that they've recorrected. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, th- I think we have Gavi and Araujo are, Really important renewals. What, what we do with those players and our ability to renew them is more important than signing whoever. Yeah. You know, because it's like you can sign whoever you want. If you lose Gavi or you lose Araujo, that's worse than than signing somebody who may or may not work out. Yeah. No, we have, we, we have players right now with insane potential and not just insane potential. They're already good. They're already really good and really important right now. So prioritize those first. I would add Dembélé to that, uh, but it does not seem that Dembélé and his agent have been negotiating in good faith the last uh, four or five months, which if he wants to leave for more money, that's his right. What I think is really not good is that the way that he has gone about it so far. So uh, we, we had Eric Garcia and Memphis Depay who came to us on freeze, but their clubs knew it one, one year in advance. Mm-hmm. And they even asked their clubs to try to negotiate a deal with Barcelona to, to come here earlier. And then the clubs tried and there wasn't any money. So yeah. that petered out. But at least like they, they did not treat their, their clubs like jerks to then go to wherever. So um, yeah, it's more important to renew who we have and then see who we can add um, and add like good profiles to fit what we're already working on than, than to try to, to add a star player to this. Uh, it's also very possible that we're signing Morata, Morata now because we can afford him, because he makes our team better, and because it puts us in the position two seasons from now to go for whoever is amazing then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think, I guess one of the final parts and one of the boring parts is that whoever is at the table now and making decisions in those renewals, I mean, I think Laporta has a, bit of say in some of that and, 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 you know, those meetings with those players, but also again, Jordi Cruyff, Matteo Alemani. And I, I want to say that Matteo Alemani, I mean, in recent weeks and months has, as I think given me a ton of faith that there was worry that, I mean, Laporta might bring in quote unquote, his own guys. And that, you know, have all these people that are just saying a thing, but not actually getting the business done. And, you know, as much as Laporta says the, the, the fancy thing or the, or the fun thing that's going to make the headlines, Alemani's work, it seems like on the ground in these meetings is, is really, I mean, putting together a sporting project. And, mm-hmm. you know, Messi had criticized that sporting project for a long time. And for him to not say right the ship, but with the help of what Roman Planas was starting to build, I, I mean, and then if Alemani can take that and continue on, it is, it worries me a little bit that Roman Planas is leaving. I do worry a bit about his ability to scout. He did find enough gems, but also, you know, 
I also Barca, what was it last year, two years ago when they laid off 40% of their scouting department or something. So, I mean, that's a worry too, but in recent weeks, it's even telling to me that I have seen the club for what reason I'll get into in a second. They have been linked to some of the best Spanish talent. And I'm not just talking about uh, I mean, bringing in Pedri, but Alberto Molero of Las Palmas, who's basically Pedri's replacement at, at Las Palmas. He's 18 as their star attacking midfielder or whatever. Arnaud Martinez of Girona is a wingback, right back who came from La Silla, plays at Girona, but is one of the more promising wingback, uh, fullbacks in Spanish football. And then Alejandro Frances, Real Zaragoza, who is too good for that team already. He's like 19 as well. All those players in recent weeks have been linked to Barca, either by Barcelona to show them early interest or by their agents to try to raise their profiles. Obviously, it's one of those two things. But if Barca can continue to be able to sniff around some of the best Spanish talent that's up and coming and either sign them to Juvenil A or Barca B or I mean, how many young players can you have in your first team? I don't know. But (laughs) some of those players have high ceilings, too. But I, I have already kind of been given i want to trust alemani and i want to continue to do that so how many free trenches can he bring in i'm not sure and i think the big referendum on him and actually you kind of changed this i think people are starting to think the big referendum on him is what elite elite signings can he bring in like a i mean i don't know if you want to call Ferran Torres absolutely elite but he's a a minus right he's like a mm-hmm. just underneath that elite level but if he can bring in you know, in the next year or two, four or five of those level of players to really reinforce your top 15 or whatever, then that's, I think, the, the, the job that he has. But as you said, I mean, if he's bringing in Morata and bringing in Torres and he's slowly just putting those pieces together and Gabi and Nico increase their, and happy birthday to Nico, by the way, today, 20 years old or 20 years young, but as those players improve as well, Pedri and, and Fati, Alamani's job gets easier and easier, I think. And I, I don't know if we need to like, Say, oh, you need five free transfers in the next two or three years, or you need to spend on. I think Holland's a little different just because he is that, you know, he is that whatever, that gem. But I mean, like, when we're talking about the fullback positions in particular, actually, and like another center back or whatever, mm-hmm. do you need a Matthias Delict, right? Or can you just get another, just a good center back that just gets the job done? And now you've got four very confident center backs. No, they'd be insane to sign Matthias Delict. I think Matthias Delict is an amazing defender and he would really, really fit the club. But um, um, the transfer fee and the salary, when when we have Araujo and Eric Garcia at the club, that's that's just insane. That's just insane. I think it's also interesting to to know like so Ramon Planas is leaving. We don't know which signings he was responsible for. Right, you just have to believe you know, Twitter.com we, that he was yeah. Pedri and he was Araujo. But you, again, I just believe mm-hmm. Twitter.com. Exactly. Like so. Uh, I think Pedri is like um, generally accepted that he was responsible for that signing. Uh, Great. But it's not as if he made all these signings by himself, right? So we're just going to have to um, see how this turns out. I'm very interested in knowing who signed uh, Abde and knowing who signed Ferran Jutla. Because again, the idea that we have two valuable contributors right now who were signed for the B team and who nobody, nobody, Im- it, nobody yeah, imagined nobody. would even get minutes this season in the first team. That's just all kinds of wonderful. So we don't know who was responsible for those signings. But yeah, Matteo Lallemagne, uh, what we're going to judge him on, uh, not every signing is going to work out, obviously. So we want him to find some uh, some signings that work out for decent prices. Uh, it would also be good if he can help convince players to leave. Mm. Um, to you know, have so, a tough one, yeah. 
that that's also a difficult one. Uh, and uh, it would also help if the bad signings that he does make do not hurt the club for five years. Because that's what that's what has been happening with uh, with Bartomeu. Bartomeu made decisions that hurt the club for five years, and then you know between the opinion that players who do not want to leave are the devil incarnated, or players who do not want to leave are honorable athletes who whose contract must be respected. Uh, I think there's there's an in between there, but the fact is that we have too many players who actively hurt our club by staying. So um, at least what we want Matteo Alemagne to do is not to sign anybody who will actively hurt our club for years and years and sign more players that make us better than players that make us worse. There's one more thing that I want to say. What always makes me laugh is when I read the news saying, oh, Laporta is in love with Haaland or Laporta really wants to sign this player or that player. And people on Twitter will also say, oh, Laporta wants him. Laporta Laporta has never made a decision on which player we should try and sign. Yeah, he wants S5 Barca. That's what he wants. He looks at that big stadium and he goes, that's what I want. I mean, those are the things I bet he's looking at and, and excited not, about. N- n- not, not even there because S5 Barca is not, is not his project, but yeah. Laporta is doing the responsible thing and saying, well, you know, this is this is the project that was uh, that was given to me. Yeah. And I am not... Go, I am not going to block a stadium just because it was Bartomeu's project so that eight years from now, somebody is going to block my new stadium plans. Right. You yeah. know, no, he's doing, he's doing the responsible thing and uh, giving continuity to, to something that, you know, the club cannot postpone. What Laporta wants is Barca back at the top. And on, on a sporting level, what, uh, what Laporta does is he trusts the people that he chose to get us there. So Laporta is going to listen to Alemany. He's going to listen to Jordi Cruyff. He's going to listen to Xavi. And he's going to take their advice on, on who to sign. And then he's going to try and make it possible. And in the meantime, whenever you shove a microphone in Laporta's face, Laporta is going to be Laporta. Yep, yep. <laughs> for better or worse. Love it or hate it. So, all right. I think I have received the uh, letter for termination for this podcast this time around. So, no, but we're not going anywhere. We're still in the feed. We're not moving to <laughs> free trans or whatever. Our heart is with Barcelona at whatever uh, wage, whatever wage we get. But uh, I think that'll wrap it up for another edition of the show. We're on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona Pod, Hilton D13 for me. And he is Barcelev on Twitter as well. He's the big follow there. So, hit his name down in the show notes. Our close Facebook group, the Barcelona Podcast, answer those questions. I let you in. The Patreon is how we keep making these shows always a Always appreciate with that help. You can also listen to these shows without the ads over there. It's a little incentive to support the show. And we're on YouTube with the match reviews at the Barcelona Podcast. But most importantly, thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Forza Barca. Forza Barca, y'all. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.